Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. This weekend, we are starting a new series, and you already have seen the title of the series, Needy by Design. Now, I know that when some of you see the word needy, you're already squirming on the inside. And I've already learned this in two of our three services. A lot of people are trained as Christians when they come to church to talk about God. But the moment God says, hey, I'd like to take some time to talk about you, everybody starts tripping out a little bit. I don't want to talk about me. I don't want to focus on me. I want to talk about God. I want to focus about God. Yes, but he created you. And if some things are not right, in an area of your life. Trust and believe he wants to talk about them. And this series uh, is designed to help us all understand just how needy each of us are. But when we hear the word needy, many of us probably go to a a really unhealthy place. We, We flinch. We probably think of different things. Maybe when you hear the word needy, you think of your spouse. Someone in the last service actually had the guts to say out loud, yes, when I said that part. Uh, They probably didn't ride home together. I'm just going out on a limb after that. Maybe when you hear the word needy, you think of a coworker, or you think of a a distant family member, or maybe you think of emotions. Maybe when you hear the word needy, uh, you you think draining, or maybe you, you feel disappointment for some reason, or you feel overwhelmed. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word needy, but I'll tell you what I think of when I hear the word needy. And I don't want you to take offense to this. When I hear the word needy, I think of you. I think of you. Now, hear me. I did not say when I hear the word draining, I think of you. All right? But many of us, because when we hear the word needy, we immediately think or feel drained. We just think needy is a bad thing. But here's the problem with that. God created you to be needy. So since I've already kind of flustered some of your feathers, I might as well just jump in and tell you what the title of this weekend's message is. In the spirit of honesty, the title of the message is, You Are Seriously High Maintenance. (laughs) And I might as well, this is as good a time as any to tell you what point number one is. Point number one is you, yes, you. Because some of you are going, no, 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 preacher. I am not high maintenance, not me, I am low maintenance. Now I know some high maintenance people, but I am not high maintenance, I'm low maintenance. Well, maybe you're thinking of the term high maintenance like this. You need a more expensive car than another, you need nicer clothes than others. That's not the kind of high maintenance I'm talking about, all right? There's a needy that we need to understand Because most of us don't understand what it looks like. You're needy. Think about it. You need oxygen. Anybody in this room not need oxygen? Okay, you're needy. You're needy. You need water. You need food. You need blood. You need companionship. You need Blue Bell ice cream. Wait a minute, that's just me. You don't need that. I need that. You need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit. Face it, you are needy. 
And if you see needy as being a bad thing, then you see the way God designed you poorly. Many of us think of the draining person. The reason we we don't want to be needy is immediately we think about the most draining and needy person in our lives. And listen to me closely. Having needs doesn't make you draining. It makes you human. Now, I'll tell you what does make you draining. If you're the kind of person that expects one person to meet all of your needs, you, my friend, are dangerously draining. No one other than Jesus has ever walked the face of the earth and been able to meet one person's every need. No one can do that. That's what's draining. Being needy, having needs, is not automatically draining. Expecting one person in your life to meet all your needs, that is draining. Now, when we hear the term high maintenance, a lot of us think, well, they, they need more attention. We think about that relationship or that person in our life that needs constant attention, that that is high maintenance. Let me give you a great definition of this word, this, this term high maintenance. Needing a lot of work to keep in good condition. Needing a lot of work to keep in good condition. That 100% describes every single person in this room. You need a lot of work to keep in good condition, to be able to function at the level God designed you to function at. You need a lot in order to do that. Here's another way to say it. The meeting of your needs, which God gave you, The meeting of those needs is like rocket fuel for a rocket ship. And if you've convinced yourself, well, I'm low maintenance, I don't need very much, first, you're a liar. You need a lot. We already established a list of a lot of things that you need in order just to be alive right now. But if you say, I'm low maintenance, I know how many people, I'm low maintenance. I know this about you. You are running on far less fuel than God designed you to run on. You're trying to do way too much with not nearly enough fuel to do it. Because God created you needy. He designed you that way. Now, King David, he really cleared up this argument. Are we, are we created high maintenance? Are we created low maintenance? In Psalm 139, verse 13, he's saying this to God. Listen to what he says. He says, you made all the delicate And all, not one, two, a few, all, meaning they're a bunch. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together. And the picture there is like connecting a bunch of wires individually, strategically, uniquely. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me, not a blob, not a form, not a figure. You saw me, individually specific me, before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Before you can get what God created you to need, you're gonna have to own the fact that you have many needs and you were designed that way. 
Now, if you're the type of person that thinks having a lot of, of needs makes you annoying or weak, let me just help you understand. Having many needs is not the problem. Not knowing your needs is far worse than having many needs. And there are a bunch of Christians running around that don't even know what their needs are. I'll give you a great example. Moms are a great case in point. They spend so much time focusing on everyone else's needs and their needs oftentimes go last. Many of them are accomplishing a whole lot with very little in the tank. Because in their world, their needs go last. But you'll see by the end of this message, that is not the best way to do things. And it's not the way God designed you to work, to operate, to function. David says, listen, I was created high maintenance. God, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Now, some of you might be convinced that God is annoyed anytime you bring him your needs. And I want to show you in scripture that God, in fact, is not annoyed when you bring him your needs, even when they're the really small ones. Look in Acts chapter 17, verse 24. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself, though, gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. Okay, if God were frustrated with your needs, would he satisfy them? Okay, you're acting like you're getting all your needs met, and I know better than that. Because some of you have some really deeply hidden needs that you don't ever talk about, that God gave you to have, but because for one reason or another, you have pushed them back to the back. And some of you have even stopped talking to God about those needs. And it might be because you think he doesn't want to meet them. Listen, any need God gave you, he desires to meet. He loves to meet your needs. He gave you those needs. He's not annoyed by those needs. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. Jesus says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Okay, how does God know exactly what you need even before you ask him? You might say, well, he knows everything. That's not the only answer. I'll give you two reasons God knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Here's the first one. He created those needs. He knows your every need because he created your every need. But secondarily, it's not just that he created your needs and that's the reason he knows your needs. It's not just that. It's also that he constantly pays attention to your needs. One of the ways you show love is to see a need and meet it. God didn't just create your needs. He's constantly paying attention to your needs. And some of you are squirming right now because you actually think this message is about you becoming more selfish. You're wrong. This message is not about selfishness. It's about stewardship. God created you to need these things. And if you're not monitoring whether or not you're getting the things he created you to need, that's a stewardship problem. You're needy by design. Now, if I 
said to you that after this service, uh, my car's running low on fuel. I've got to stop at Costco because that's where I like to get my gas. I'm going to stop at Costco to get gas. And if I told you when I pull up to the pump, that this is typically how it goes when I pull up to the pump. I pull, uh, turn off the car, I get out, and I'm frustrated, and I start talking to my car and say, my goodness, truck, you're so frustrating. Every three days, I got to put fuel in you. What's your problem? What's your deal? Can you not go six days every once in a while? I mean, can you not save me a little bit of money? What, you're so needy, truck. I, I have this conversation with my truck every three days in front of everyone at Costco. Right? Because it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just crazy that about every three or four days, I need to put fuel in my truck. No, of course it's not crazy. The further you go, the more fuel you need. It's common sense. Okay, well, if you're not screaming at your car every time you get gas, why are you so bothered by you every time you feel needy? You were created to need these things. In the same way your car needs fuel to go anywhere. And if you don't put the things your car needs in it, the only place you will find yourself is on the side of the road. In the same way, if you don't make sure you are getting the things God created you to need in your journey on the way to where God has created you to go in this life, you will find yourself pulled over on the side of the road more than you will on his road to where he has you going. God created you to run on this fuel. He gave you these needs and you need to make sure you're meeting them. Now, before we move to point number two, I just wanna make sure we're all on the same page, all right? So I want you to do something. I want you to repeat this after me, every person in this room, all right? And if you're listening to this message on the podcast, even if you're in Starbucks, I want you to say this extra loud right now, okay? Everybody repeat this after me. I am seriously high maintenance. That was okay, but I want you to go a step further. And if you're in the Starbucks listening to this message right now, I want you to find two or three people that you don't know and say that to them. And everybody in this room, I want you to find two or three people right around you and say, I am seriously high maintenance. Say it right now. Come on, tell a couple more. Let's go. Get out of your chair in Starbucks. Tell somebody. Okay, now here's the second half. Repeat this after me. Don't blame me, blame him. Okay, the same people you just said you're high maintenance to, you go ahead and tell them right now. Don't blame me, blame him. Some of y'all are going to use that as an excuse for a really long time. Don't blame me. This is just the way I am. Blame him. Okay, I'm not giving you an excuse. I'm trying to calibrate your thinking. You are needy by design. God has given you many needs. Now that we all kind of understand and are on the same page that we're needy by design, I've got two questions I have to ask you. And here's the first question, and it's point number two. Do you know your cadence or just your calendar? Do you know your cadence or just your calendar? I have several calendars in my life. Uh, some I love, some I, I don't love quite as much. I have a calendar that I'm finishing up right now uh, where I can show you what I'm going to be preaching on in 2018 from beginning to end. I have a preaching calendar so that I have plenty of time to prepare each message so that I'm able to teach it and preach it at, at whatever level God asks me to teach and go to the depth he desires me to go. So I have a, a calendar that tells me 
what he wants me to preach on, okay? I also have a calendar that I don't like as much, and it's called my family calendar. I love my family. I don't always like my family calendar, all right? Some of you might understand my pain and problem. Uh, Friday night is a great example of what happened with our family calendar. My youngest son had a doubleheader for his baseball team. And during the first game, we are not even 30 minutes into the game, and the family calendar says, take Tyler to baseball practice. So I have to get up, leave the game, take my son to practice, come back to the game. I miss about 25 minutes of the first game. I'm sitting there enjoying the next 40 minutes of the game, and the family calendar says, take Riley to the football game at school. So get up, take Riley to the football game, miss the rest of the game, I get to enjoy about 30 minutes when I get back of in between game number one and game number two and about the first 30 minutes of the next game before the family calendar butts in again and says, pick Tyler up from baseball practice. So I have to go pick up Tyler and come back. I have a friend who drives Uber and I said, hey, can you get me one of those stickers I can put on my truck that just clears up what I am in my family right now? This is just what I am. Could you just get me a sticker? My family calendar, and maybe yours isn't like this, but some of you have realized the family calendar is a bossy boss. I mean, just bossy. And the family calendar doesn't take no for an answer very well. I've noticed that. Like, it just tells me what to do a lot of the time. Okay, have you ever thought about this? The number one enemy to the God-created cadence for your life is the calendar you create. And some of us, when we're thinking about whether or not we should do something, consult our calendar before we consult our creator. Because we hold this thing called the calendar with such esteem that when someone says, hey, can we get together? And your first response before you even realize it's coming out of you is, let me check the calendar. Not, let me pray about it. Not, absolutely, I really need to get together. Let me check the calendar. Okay. The word cadence is a really simple word. It's, it's a musical word that means the beat, rate, or measure of any rhythmic movement. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because I, I kind of came up with my own definition of this word cadence. A specific rate of receiving specific things in order to operate according to your specific design. I'm going to say it again. A specific rate of receiving specific things in order to operate according to your specific design. Just like every song has a tempo, every life has a cadence, a God-created cadence that we were designed to run on. And running on God's created cadence for your life is essential for your survival and your success. And when you don't function on God's created cadence for your life, you're gonna find yourself struggling far more than you find yourself succeeding. Now, think about this. Think about how quickly God creates man's cadence. Go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis. On day six, God creates man, right? And on day seven, God creates man's cadence. He wastes no time whatsoever. He creates man, and then he says, I'm creating your cadence. You were created to live according to this rhythm. And if you don't, 
you're going to collapse. I designed you to run in this way. I'll show it to you. Genesis chapter two, starting in verse one. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Exodus 20, chapter, uh, verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Okay, let's get one thing straight. God created the seven-day week. Man did not create the seven-day week. God created it. The calendar did not create the seven-day week. God created the seven-day week. And in it, he said, here's how you were designed. You can go really hard for six days, but you were created to rest on the seventh. And if you don't live according to this cadence, not only will it catch up to you, your life will eventually crumble. Here's another way to say it. You were designed to need certain things every seven days of your life. Some of us, when we think about some of our needs, we actually think we could go months without some of them being met. And then we get counseling, we meet with a pastor or a friend, and we say, I'm really struggling. I'm just, I just don't feel like I have the energy. I don't feel like I have the faith. I just don't feel like I can do what God's called me to do, and I just can't figure out why. I can tell you why, because there's very little fuel in your tank. Some of these meet needs have gone unmet for months and months, and you're wondering why. You feel like there's no fuel in your tank. Of course there's not. Of course you can't go anyway, because the very needs God created to be met in your life, to turn into fuel, are not being met. Do you know your cadence? Do you know what you need every seven days of your life? Or do you just know, according to your calendar, what you're supposed to do every seven days of your life? You see, a calendar tells you what you're supposed to do. But God's created cadence for your life consistently communicates what you were created to do every seven days of your life. This is not a selfish thing. It's a stewardship thing. Now, this leads us to the second question, and that's point number three. Can you answer his question? Can you answer his question? Now, let's have a little bit of Bible trivia. I'm not trying to make anybody feel like they don't know anything, but let me just ask you. Let's see if anybody knows. What is the first question asked in the Bible? Anybody know? It's okay if you don't. Anybody want to take a stab at it? No one wants to be wrong. I know how that is. Okay. The first question, most people, I'll say it this way. The second question is what most people think is the first question. In the other services, multiple people have said the first question in Scripture is, where are you? That's actually not the first question. That's the second question. The first question asked in Scripture is a question the serpent asks Eve. What's the question? Did God really say? Think about this for a minute, especially if you feel you struggle as a child of God to hear God speak. Of course, it's not that you can't hear him. It's that from the very beginning, the devil has set it apart to go after your ability to hear God's voice. 
The serpent says to Eve, did God really say that? Which leads Eve to change in her thinking, in her mind, what God said about not eating from that tree, which caused her to eat from that tree, which caused her to sin, which led Adam to eat from the tree and caused him to sin. And then they find themselves, they figure out immediately that since day one, they've been walking around the garden buck naked and they didn't even know it. So they grab some leaves, sew them up, cover up. And then question number two in scripture is asked. I want to show it to you in Genesis chapter three, verse eight. When Adam and Eve heard the sound of God strolling in the garden, In the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden. They hid from God. God called to the man, where are you? He said, Adam said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. Okay, let's talk this through for a moment. The God, the one true God who asks this question, true or false, that God knows everything. I have a little confidence, true. He's all-knowing, right? God is all-knowing, okay. True or false, the God who says, where are you to Adam, is omnipresent, is everywhere always, true or false? Okay, so help me understand this. The God who knows everything and the God who is everywhere walks into the garden one day and says to Adam, hey, hey buddy, where, where are you? Really? The God who knows everything and the God who is everywhere asks a locational question? I don't think so. I think the question God was asking Adam was not locational. It was emotional. And here's why I believe that. Because Adam doesn't respond locationally. When God says, where are you, Adam? Adam doesn't say, I'm over here, I'm over here. He doesn't respond locationally. He responds emotionally. What does he say? He says, God, I was afraid, so I hid. God already knew where he was. I don't believe God was asking Adam this question to find out where Adam was. God was asking Adam this question so Adam would know where he was. Let me just speak to the dads for a minute. You have a really rough day at work. You're driving home, you're just frustrated and the anger is mounting. And your temptation is to walk into your house and the first person that crosses you, you're just gonna light them up like a Christmas tree. You know what would be wise on your part? If on your way home, you ask yourself this all important question, where are you? Where are you? Well, I had a really rough day today. I had some people try and push me around. I had some people try and take advantage of me because I'm a believer and I'm frustrated with how things went. And I'm so frustrated. I just feel like if anyone even tries to cross me, I'm going to shut them down so fast it's going to make their head spin. Okay. Instead of walking into your home angry, answer the question, where are you? And you'll be amazed how it changes the atmosphere of your home. Nine times out of 10, whatever in life you're angry about isn't actually what you're angry about. Where are you? Can you answer that question? When you leave today, you're gonna be handed this sheet and I want every person here to grab one. And here's what it is. I call it the seven day survival guide. And it's something the Lord gave me last summer for me personally to help me understand some things and I'll, I'll tell you why in a moment. But here's what this is. The seven day survival guide takes a look at the six major areas of your life. 
And here are the six major areas of life that everything falls under one of these six umbrellas. Physical, spiritual, emotional, relational, financial, professional. Now, some of you might push back and say, well, I'm a stay-at-home parent and that's not really a profession. Okay, it's a calling. I had to make them rhyme. Really, number six is your calling, but I had to say professional so that it's memorably rhythmic. You know what I'm saying? So number six, category six is related to your calling. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do over the next two weeks. I'm gonna ask you to take one of these, take it into your quiet time, and I want you to fill it out. What do you need? And here's what it's designed to do, to help you answer this question. What do you need in these six areas of your life every seven days? And I want you to fill it out. I want you to write out. Now, mine, I, this was not big enough for me. I used an eight and a half, 11. I am needy by design and I own it. I got no problem saying it, okay? And, and I'll give you some examples, so, using me as an example so that you can understand what I'm asking you to do, okay? So here are the, some, some of the things that I learned that I need as I went through this. Physically, category number one, I need to be in the gym three out of every seven days at a bare minimum, because if I'm not, I don't have the energy I need to do what God's created me to do. Now, that may be different than it is for you, but that's the way I was designed. I have to be in the gym three out of seven days. If I'm not, I, I'm beat down. I do not have the energy to do what God made me to do. Also, another something I need every seven days, for every bad meal of brownies and bluebell ice cream for breakfast that I have, I need three really healthy meals. That's my rhythm. I need three solid, energizing meals to offset what some of you might call a cheat meal. Because when I get out of balance, I'm not as energetic, I don't have what I need to do what God created me to do. Emotionally, I'll give you an example. Every seven days, I need someone in my home that I love to randomly say, Daddy, you're amazing. Okay, now hear me. I don't just want them to say that to try and meet some need. What I actually mean is I've learned I need to live in such a way every day that once out of every, one time out of every seven days, somebody in my house, their heart just bursts out and says, Daddy, you're awesome. And let me tell you why. On the other side of that coin, at least once every seven days, I need to do that for every person in my home. When I randomly and sometimes even prophetically encourage one of my children and their face lights up, my heart lights up and my energy and my strength goes to another level. It fuels my tank, okay? I need that. Financially, here's something I've learned. Every seven days, I need to give a gift to someone I love. I'm a giver by design, I love to give. And no matter how small, even if it's just an extra large box of hot tamales to my hot wife, I just need to give something. It doesn't have to be something expensive. But I, every seven days, I was designed to get fuel from giving something to someone I love. Also, every seven days, I need to spend less than I make. Because I've learned when I spend more than I make, I'm not in a good place emotionally. It affects me physically. I don't feel the strength I need. I feel beat down. So every seven days, I need to spend less than I make. Okay, these are just some examples. I want you to do this this week, but not alone. I don't want you to do it with your spouse if you're married. Okay, sit down after you're done and share your list with them. But as you're coming up with your list, 
I want you to do this alone in the presence of your creator. And let God add some things to your list. See, this came from uh, a really rough patch in my life last summer. Last summer, I was doing more than God asked me to do. I was carrying some responsibilities and weights that I, I shouldn't have been, and I was going and going and going, and I didn't want anybody to think I was weak, and so I, I was doing everything I could to just grin and bear it. And I found this, this invention called caffeine, and I started cheating with it. My days got to a point where they were starting with four to six shots of espresso every morning. And after about three hours, when it started winding down the effects of the caffeine, I just have a Coke or two. And then after that kind of tapered off, I'd have a big sweet tea. This caffeine, caffeine, caffeine. And I felt like I had enough energy to do all these things that were on my plate. Till one day I got on a plane coming back from Dallas after a long day of meetings and they shut the door in the plane and my heart started racing uncontrollably and it scared me. I didn't know if I was having a panic attack. I've never even had one. I don't know what it feels like, but I, I, I was sure I was about to have one. I didn't know if I was having heart issues. I could not calm down my heart. After about 30 minutes, things kind of subsided and I go about a week and I'm standing up here during the 1045 service, reading a long passage of scripture and all of a sudden it happens again. Of course, I'm afraid to let anybody know what I'm feeling or what's going through my head. So I'm just trying to calm myself down while I'm reading God's word in the middle of our service. A week later, we're going on family vacation, and of course, like an idiot in this season of my life, I sent my wife and two of our kids off to start family vacation, but said, I have some responsibilities back in Dallas I've got to fulfill. I'll take one of our kids, and I'll meet up with you in two and a half days. One of the most foolish decisions I've ever made in my life. Two and a half day days later, I show up, family vacation, and it started a three-week intense spanking from God. He pointed out the caffeine stuff. Immediately, I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit to stop caffeine. I, I'm, I'm not trying to convict you about caffeine. I was using it in an unhealthy manner. So about five days of crashing, intense headaches, finally that kind of stopped after day six or so. And the Lord started speaking to me about my real problem. My problem wasn't caffeine. My problem was their needs that God created me to have that I wasn't stewarding properly. They weren't being met. And so instead of meeting them the right way, I set them to the side and addressed them my way. It temporarily seemed like it was the right thing, but in the long run, it was, it was hurting me, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I crashed. And the Lord gave me the seven-day survival guide to help me walk through what my individual needs are so that every seven days I can monitor myself in such a way that when God asks me on my Sabbath day, Preston, where are you? I can answer him. Say, well, Lord, none of these needs were met this week. I didn't do well in this area. Well, no wonder I'm feeling so exhausted physically. 
But the big thing he said to me that I'll never forget, that really sealed it in my heart, that I need to do better monitoring the needs God created me to have. So when he said to Preston, you realize I brought you to Scottsdale, right? I said, yes, Lord. He said, you realize that I created you. Yes, of course, Lord. Son, I made you to fit in this city, and I made your needs. I know every one of your needs, but here's the problem, son. If the needs I created you to have are not being met, I am not getting what I want from you. And you are not the version of yourself that I can count on in this city or anywhere else. See, some of you, you may struggle to go through this because you've convinced yourself, I'm too needy, needed to be needy. Too many people count on me. I don't have time to sit down and think about all my needs. Yes, you do. And if you love the people around you, anyone who counts on you to meet some of their needs is counting on you to make sure your needs are being met. Because if your needs given to you by God aren't being met, I assure you of this, the people counting on you cannot get any of their needs met through you. I believe God's created you to do some amazing things in this life. But you cannot go far on an empty tank. And we're going to spend the next two months walking through these six areas of your life to make sure that you have the God-given fuel you need to do everything God has created you to do in this life. Yes, you are seriously high maintenance. A better way to say it, God's given you a seriously large fuel tank to do some amazing things in his name on this earth. But you will not be able to do many of them with an empty tank. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.